The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well then, this is the Homance Chronicles, and I am Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And we're super excited to talk to our guests today. He's actually been on the schedule for a little bit, and so I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's the first time that we've ever had a rabbi on the show. So welcome, Rabbi Brian. Woohoo! Hey, Rabbi Brian. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm glad, this is actually the first time I've been on the Homance Chronicles. So Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We'll see how this goes. You might want to come back and you might want to run. Who knows? I did have to look up what homance meant. Um, And then here's the part was I understood what it meant, but then I didn't get that it was, I couldn't understand like the whole part of it. The whole part? Yeah. I was like, oh, (laughs) I get that now. (laughs) A little slow on the uptake. No, you're not the only one. Um, oh. We actually start our episodes with an explanation, a little bit of a definition, and then we have it in like all of our bios and stuff too, because once people get it, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cute. That makes I, sense. I got <laughs> it. It's just the um, referring to oneself as hoes. That yep. was the part where I got myself a little confused. Yeah, because the the term is still negative for the most part, but we're taking it back. It's right. okay. We don't right. care. You want to call me a hoe? You can call me a hoe if it makes you feel better, but I'm not going to be offended by it by because, you know, you want me to be, really. I don't want you to be offended, Sarah. By anything, really, because then I get angry and it's awkward for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I really just was trying to find a way to describe our friendship um and when we first became friends we had some hoe tendencies for sure but had no shame in our game whatsoever no um we had you know a a very similar version of a bromance we were together all the time and so it just seemed to work it fit for us for what our relationship was. And then um, all of those hilarious tales that we've actually survived to be able to tell <laughs> have ended up on the internet now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but today's not about us. Right. Absolutely not. It's about you. Yeah. Sir. Well, but I, I want to add one more thing. Um, yeah. I, I love it. Y'all laugh a lot. We have to. Yeah. Well, no, what's the point no. otherwise? Well, I love that you would see that. Not everyone <laughs> does. <laughs> I mean, don't get us wrong. We do get bogged down by life stuff. You know, there's going to be stuff that I'm like, why is this happening? Why? Yeah. I'm so frustrated. But for the most part, we like to enjoy things. And so we try to make it as fun as possible every time we do anything. I think that's just, that's fantastic. And that, that's, that's the point. That's, yeah. Cool. Appreciate it. Thank but you. you get, I, I, I give you a story seal of approval not that you all right from me but no i do it. appreciate <laughs> I, I like having a rabbi's seal of approval on my repertoire that's actually very comforting to me for some reason i take any form of validation and really just <laughs> to the heart so yep you just uh, pulled under little heartstrings there with that little validation <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, so thank you for all of the compliments and being just, you know, a fan of us as people, because, um, we keep saying that we'll do this podcast while it's still fun. And so part of it being fun is laughter and finding the humor in everyone's stories. And you have a pretty interesting story. So it's our understanding based on your very quick description and some of the things that we've read that, you've had a couple of life transitions and um to go from ordained rabbi to teacher to now out of the box rabbi what i guess what was the transition that made you go into being a rabbi in the first place and then we'll just kind of move on from there all right so i have two different ways of answering that question 
So why did I become a rabbi? When I have the the answer that I would have given you in 1994, as looking towards the future of this is why I thought I was doing all what I was doing. And then I have the other answer, which is starting from today, looking back and going, oh, <laughs> that's why I did it. <laughs> yeah. So you have, you have the trauma response and then you have the actual root cause is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. So I became, a, I, I did, I became a rabbi. I thought it was a good job. It would have meaning. I'd get to talk to people about things that were interesting and I get to learn a lot about Judaism because I didn't really know a lot about Judaism before I went to rabbinical school, which is one of those things where like, how could you know all the stuff that you needed to know until you became, till I became a rabbi. And then I, so I thought, you know, worst case scenario, I'll learn all this stuff about this religion that I'm supposed to be a part of that I don't really understand. And then I can learn about it. And worst case scenario, I drop out. Um, yes, Sarah. <laughs> They couldn't see, but she raised her hand. She raised her hand. And so thank you for articulating that that, since this is an audio medium. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did you grow up religious? Yeah, ish. I grew up in New York City uh, where uh, like everyone's marginally Jewish, no matter who they are. Um, (laughs) Jewish adjacent? I was going to say (laughs) by association. Yeah, so I grew up <laughs> and I was told I was Jewish. And so, uh, you know, I I, I, I believed them. I, I, I was like, okay, I guess I'm Jewish. I don't know what that means. But if everyone keeps telling you you're a thing and you eventually go, oh, I am that thing. So yeah. I became a rabbi because that was like winning in Judaism. I'm like, hey, I'm a rabbi. Um, and I worked as a rabbi for a number of years until I realized that my soul was getting sucked out of me. Oh, and, even as a rabbi? Oh no, especially as a rabbi. Oh man. It was it was it was rough because my job was to tell people to, you know, don't work Fridays and Saturdays and make sure to take rest, but listen to me while I'm working telling you that. Like Yeah. That's kind of weird. Um and I and I don't really believe so the I'm not really a team play. I love, I love being part of a team, but I don't think religion should be teams. Um, I don't think that. Yeah, there's um, no black and white. You know, there's, there's no right or wrong. And if there's there is a white. God, God wouldn't say, "Hey, I only like this team." I think God <laughs> right. would say, like, "Why'd you all make teams? Like, what well, is like, that about?" Technically, so didn't realized, he create all of us, though? Like, isn't he the ultimate creator? So how could he uh, pick a team? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't use the, the, the third person singular masculine to define the divine. But, yeah. No, I was being um, facetious. Okay. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. I didn't know. Um, so, so I left. I had to leave being a, a regular rabbi because I didn't give a shit if someone wanted to do yoga that made more sense to them than learning Hebrew prayers. Like why learn the Hebrew prayers, go do yoga. So I left and then my, my beloved said, you should be a teacher. And I said, no. <laughs> and then, um, I got why in. no? Cause I didn't want to listen. Why? I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to make my own decisions. Oh, that's fair. And then um, I decided I wanted to be a teacher. So, <laughs> so, so I taught high school math for a lot of years. And I, I, the, the story, and it's true, is I was so much better a rabbi with, when I had my congregants with me for an hour a day, five days a week, than I ever was a rabbi for people who were um, you know, members of the congregation who were paying my salary. It's a hard group to be a clergy person to when they pay your salary. Mm-hmm. So you don't really want yeah. to call them out on things. Don't need to rock that boat right. at all. And, and especially when you're ordained as a rabbi and you have very few other skill sets, um, you need that job. So <laughs> uh, I think this is for a lot of clergy people. It's like, what are you going to do? You know how to do that. And if you don't believe in it, you better pretend. And I, I was fortunate that I got out. And so I, wow. I taught math. Uh, I, I wound up teaching a lot about 
I never taught math. I taught math, but I taught life. Like I taught the kids whatever it was that I could think of to teach them. So I did that. And then um, my, I'm putting air quotes. Nobody on the podcast can hear it. But, <laughs> um, I, I've got a, my, my calling moved. I had a blog going and uh, I got more and more people listening to my heretical uh, thinkings on religion. And now I'm, that's what I'm doing full time. I, I started doing that part-time and then more part-time and then I had to give up high school and now I'm just teaching adults how to how to be spiritual religious. That's a fun challenge though, isn't it? I love it. I love yeah. it. I, I mean, try teaching high school kids math who don't want no. to Well, math. I was going to say what you could have chose anything and you chose yeah. high schoolers. Like that seems particularly Well, I like, I like sarcasm. Okay. So I couldn't go below 10th grade. I don't know. If you would have known me when I was six, I could yeah. change your mind. But I was going to say, say, <laughs> you, you were sarcastic already. I was born that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I needed, I needed my classes to be able to take a little bit of snark. Yeah. So I did high school and math. Um, I like math. It's, it's like clear. And it's, well, it's black and white. It's you either got the right answer or you didn't. And right. maybe you did the right method. Maybe you didn't. And, and like, you can't argue with it. And it was, it, it was also our brains are wired for math. So it's not that hard to teach. If like, if you want to learn it, it's not that rough. And my students and I had this tacit agreement that as so long as we got through the material, we could talk about the stages of grief and we can talk about mystical experience and we could talk about anything they wanted to, as so long as we also as, as, as soon as you learn absolute values, we can talk about death. Sarah, so, really, yeah. with the hand again. Sarah, I don't want to interrupt him. I'm trying not to be rude oh. and you yell at me all the time because my mic is off. So I'm trying not to be rude. So can I just point out, and not everyone knows this about rabbis, um, other clergy sometimes get treated with more respect where um, you wouldn't just interrupt. Sarah, just interrupt. This I, don't want, I don't want to. I find it to be very intriguing what you're telling me. Okay. Okay. But now, so let's call on Sarah. Sarah, you and so the first I have row. a question. <laughs> yeah. So you had a series of, um, well, you had children in your class. Were they all high school ages, or is it like you know, kind of the older generation? I did tenth, eleventh. I did ninth once. I didn't like it. I did tenth, eleventh. I was gonna 12th. say okay, and then. Like, how often were these kids like, hey, what about death? Can you tell us about grieving? Like, did you, yeah. were they, did they surprise you with the questions that they had? It's whatever was going on. You know, yeah. um, I would adapt and I would just try to teach them whatever I knew about. Uh, there was a phrase I heard once that I loved and it said, there's no lesson in algebra that shouldn't be interrupted for a lesson in humanity. Oh, and that's so, lovely. For example, if I had a kid fall asleep in class, my students didn't know the proper thing to do is you just let the kid sleep. Like making a really loud noise next to them, that's an ass dick move to do. It really is an ass dick so move. So I would say, look, John fell asleep. We're going to let him sleep. He's obviously really tired. And if you disturb him, that's going to piss me off. So I would teach anything I could where I could about... I taught them that when somebody shows you a picture of a baby, that the the only thing you say, or they tell you the name of a baby, that you always go, oh, <laughs> like it doesn't matter what the baby looks like, but like no, who you need to know that that's a life skill is not to go, oh my god, what the hell happened? Like you yeah. don't say that. And so my my students, um, I would teach whatever I could. So. That, that was part of what I thought. I love that you're interjecting humanity into math. I actually have a traumatizing experience of when I was trying to learn long division in like fifth grade and I ended up like crying because I couldn't get it. And I think from that point on, I always had this aversion to math, even though I always yeah. tested in it really well. So I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more if you would have been. Sister, long division is really a rough rubric of different uh, uh, algorithm of so many things that you have to do at once. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot. There's some acronyms that could help. Um, <laughs> well, ah. thank you for making my inner child feel so much better. I, um, I just was wondering, though, like, 
how your parent teacher conferences went. <laughs> oh, they were great. They were great. I loved it because you get to meet, like the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Yeah. The kid who's an asshole, guess what? Their parent's an asshole. Shocking. Like, just usually you how just... it was. But I would, I would also make deals with the parents and the kid. I had one kid, Linda, and she didn't want to do math. And uh, her mom wanted her to get an A and Linda was fine with a C. And we made some deal that if Linda got a B by the next report card, mom would buy her shoes. And I wrote out a whole contract of like, this, this is <laughs> because it was always adaptable. It was always, um, there, there's always, and if the kid, uh, I would make the kid teach the parent, that was one that I would do sometimes. You, you really want your kid to learn it, you learn it from them. That's amazing. That's a great idea, though. Yeah. Because usually the parents don't know it because they change it up so much anymore. Well, yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. You're right. Those well, you just don't need to do long division. You have a calculator. So that too. <laughs> but never long division was never about long division. Math is never about the math. It's about teaching you um, problem solving and how to follow patterns. That's yes. It sounds like you were teaching empathy. Yes, I was doing a lot of Brene Brown in <laughs> So <laughs> So like how did the parents like um So for the most part the this these are inner city kids. The parents are happy the kids not in a gang. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, the the parents were really happy. I didn't give homework. The parents and kids were happy about that. Is there a particular reason that you did that, like a selfish reason? Uh, I didn't have to grade homework. <laughs> but that wasn't the real reason. The real reason is the <laughs> literature is pretty clear that um, homework does not help. Because either you know how to do the stuff and you're just wasting your time. You don't know how to do the stuff, in which case you're frustrating yourself. Or you're somewhere in the middle where you have a 50-50 chance of fucking it up and practicing it wrong. Oh, yeah, so that's a good point. I had a principal who wrote a book called The End of Homework. And she challenged all of us to not give homework anymore. And I took up the challenge and I learned how to teach without giving homework. Did you see your guys's like grades kind of go My up and improve? My students' grades always went up. You know why? Because I loved the students. Because you're empathetic. Because I was there <laughs> with them. And I would say to them, I'd say, look, this sucks. Who wants to be in math? Like, you don't want to be here. You're in minimum security day prison. That's pretty much what school is. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. hilarious because it's so true. Right. And that, that was all I, that's all I do is I, I tell truth. So. Oh, your door flung open when you said that. Yeah. There's what the people at home can't see is there's a tiny little dog. Oh, oh, I there see. is. Look at <laughs> Tiny little dog. I just that's thought adorable. that it was like a real sign of the universe that the door was just opening as you were speaking about truth that's what i meant there was no dog here <laughs> it's just my spirituality yeah. moving so, objects you know forgive my ignorance about religion in general um so it's my understanding though that as a rabbi you can have a wife and a family uh -huh. correct I do. and it sounds like you met your significant other um, when you were ordained and she was, I'm assuming it's a she, sorry for assuming, but oh. um, uh, that they convinced you to uh, go in a different direction. So what is it like having a relationship when you're in a religion? So uh, clergy partners, it's like a whole, there's a whole sub thread for being the yeah. kid of a clergy person or being the spouse of a clergy person. Fortunately for me, I met Jane when I was still in rabbinical school. Uh, we married before I was ordained, which in okay. my head was important because I wanted it to be that I was marrying to her. She wasn't marrying a rabbi. She was marrying a normal person. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I appreciate so, that a lot so, too. And she's a psychotherapist and she's really like she knows what's hers and what's not hers and she didn't show up to my services and when she did and people would comment on it she would say look if he were an accountant i wouldn't be showing up to his work there either so no why would <laughs> i don't go to she, his meetings <laughs> no so um she she never thought that my job was her job 
I love that. Okay. That is really cool. Did you she, meet her in New York? Uh, we met in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. She's, she's from Buffalo, New York, though. We just, oh, okay. We just Did you guys commiserate a little bit while you met on New York and how much are you may or may not miss it? Um, I don't miss it. <laughs> I don't miss it. I find I grew up in I grew up there in Manhattan and I I I think there's something wrong when eight million people are colluding that stress is good for you. Yeah, I agree with that one. Mm-hmm. There's something ain't right with this <laughs> optical stand. If you all think that stress is giving you a positive edge, it's definitely not. No, it's not. I think we're. I think people are starting to finally, after COVID, people are starting to finally realize that we just don't have to do it like this. We could do it a different way, and it'll still get done. Yeah, whatever New York it is. City ain't changing though. Yeah. No. Not my problem. Yeah. Those people are probably <laughs> hungry for that negative energy. Oh yeah, just swirling. Just thriving off of it, waiting for it to come back. <laughs> so you started in New York in a fairly toxic community yeah. of people, stress and thrive, and and then you went to LA after went that. Went to LA. Did, did you teach year, in LA? I did a year in Jerusalem because of the school and they wanted me to learn some Hebrew and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Then was in Los Angeles for two more years of graduate school, then New York, and then got a job in LA. And then we moved to Portland. Wonderful. So you were popping back and forth. And yeah. what made you choose Portland of all places? Um, it's awesome. <laughs> it's just, I have to agree. Yeah, it's the Detroit of the Northwest. Yeah, my sister lived there for a portion of time, and I was fortunate enough to visit the city quite a few times. And it's just beautiful, and the people are cool. That's what I'm. And everybody's just like, you know, we're here doing the same thing, man. Let's go ahead and do it together. (laughs) Let's not let's not hurt each other. Right? Yeah, not malicious at all. So, with all of these, I guess, changes in your lifestyle, career choices. it seems as though your marriage has been a constant. And so do you have any advice that is maybe not necessarily religious that you could give to people on a healthy relationship? And if it is connected to a religion, that's fine too, but. I got one. Here it is. All right. (laughs) Learn how to say the phrase, how can I be of help? Ah, got it, yeah. Like, That's a good one. And then listen for the answer and respond accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, if you ask the question and then you don't actually do the thing, that doesn't sound you like ask, it would be How helpful. can I be of help? And Jane then can say, I don't want your help. Or she can say, I just want you to listen. Or she can say, I want you to problem solve. Or she can say a myriad of other things. But that that's that's my basic relationship. There you go. Take that one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that would be something that you'd be able to tell people no matter what the situation is. I mean, if somebody is coming to you for some sort of guidance, um, it seems like you'd be asking that question all day long. How how can I be of help? Yeah. Yeah. And, And to start, start fresh. Everyone's a unique snowflake. Right. True. True. I am. So, what does it mean then for this out of the box, um, like way that you have yourself branded? So to me, so far through this conversation, you're extremely relatable. I feel 100% comfortable to ask you whatever. And is yeah. he that swears? I love it. He's swearing. He's just yeah. being himself. Yeah. I, I didn't understand the question, Nicole. Oh, so I'm just saying, is that all part of the whole yeah, being this is out all, of the box? This is- yeah, it, it's, it's, I love the quote by Prince, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. That's Nicole lives- loves Prince, mm-hmm. like has an affinity for Prince. Okay. And that I'm, I'm, I, I played Prince in my rabbi office in Tarzana, <laughs> California, and um, darling Nikki was on my stereo and, and this one of the people who said that's not appropriate music for a rabbi to be playing 
And I, I regret to this day that I didn't say, I'm sorry, I'm the rabbi. Yeah. I get to decide. And instead Wait, I yeah. was embarrassed and I, and, I, and I got classical music. Oh, did you feel shame? Yeah. That's a bummer. Do you feel shame ever anymore? Um, I'm pretty shame free these days. That's good. Congratulations. Yeah. It's a fun place, isn't it? It's a lot better, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so could you give me like just a quick rundown of what makes you different compared to other rabbis for folks who are not familiar with yeah, the religion? I don't really care if you're Jewish. <laughs> I think that's the first part. <laughs> I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't want you to be Jewish. I don't want you, if you're Jewish, to feel like you need to be more Jewish. I don't, that, to, to, that's a big difference. It's a huge uh, difference. I don't quote, my services are, I, I don't use Hebrew in them. Cause I find there's no, I want my service to be about the people who are there. So they're interactive. There's no dogma. I'm not telling you, this is what you have to believe. And I'm not doing any rote prayers. So those are some pretty giant differences. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have so people you, who attend your services who are not Jewish? They just any kind of I don't life? ask who's Jewish or not. Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah. But I would ass assume that a lot of them are either Jewish or not Jewish. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. You got about I don't, 50, 50 I don't on care. each one. It's not a, it's not it has nothing to do with have you ever had people approach you after one of your services and ask how they become more Jewish? Yeah, 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 yeah. People, people, I mean, hey, there's a good time for the Jews. If people want to become Jewish, like, <laughs> that's much better than other times of history. I would say, say so. Yeah. Um, and yeah. people want yep. to become Jewish and they, they find me and they say, hey, I'd like to be Jewish. And I do, um, I do the same little gambit most of the time. I say, okay. Here's a piece of paper with a star on it. You are now Jewish. And then they say, no, no, it doesn't work like that. Says who? What's just, you're ahead of me. And I say, okay, so what is it you need to do in order to say that you're Jewish? And then they usually come up with a laundry list of these are the seven things. And I'm like, okay, do those seven things and then I'll give you the certificate. And they're like, okay, that's a good idea. He calls a little piece of paper with a star on it a certificate. No, wait, no, wait. No, I have like real ones too. I have oh, these okay, ones, good. but they're equal. It's Sarah, they're equally pieces of paper. These right, are meaningless. Absolutely. And like, if I don't read English, I have no idea what that even says. Like, I get it. Oh, it's, it's, it's just certificate of conversion. It's just oh. funny. Because you call it a certificate. And I immediately went to that little star David on that piece of paper. Yeah, and I, I, I often tell people this story that, um, so not my doing, but my beloved decided to convert to Judaism before I got ordained as a rabbi. And when she did, she got a piece of paper and it upset my grandmother so much. And my grandmother said, Jane has a piece of paper that says she's Jewish. I've lived my whole life and I always thought I was Jewish, but I don't know how to prove it. Wow. Grandma, Very grandma. true. I yeah. mean, unless you're doing a 23 and me and you see it in as listed yeah. as a marker of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what made her decide to want to convert? Um, she always liked Jewish men. <laughs> it's a god honest truth she always liked jewish men i met her and she was like this is my ticket um so she took the courses and i might or might not have leaning on might helped her with her homework sure and uh, then she went in and she also wanted to um okay she also really wanted to feel accepted by my parents who bagged on her for and and me for her not having been born jewish um, and that didn't work. My parents did not have any, that, that, that didn't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jane said, she says now that it was like a bad organ transplant that her body thoroughly rejected the Jewish. <laughs> 
So do you recommend that when people come to you who are in a similar situation where there's one person who is Jewish, one who's not, that they actually go through any kind of what conversion? Because it doesn't sound like uh, your experience worked out. <laughs> Why would they convert? Well, you know, sometimes people convert because they have to in right. order to get married in the church. I will marry people who want to get married. I don't care. I think every marriage is an intermarriage because there are no two people who have the same faith. If they have the same faith, one of them's not thinking. Oh. Man, that's so smart. I love that because you're yeah, right. This, this is what I do. This is, this is, this is what I do. You're I, good at I it. Just take religion <laughs> and I apply honest <laughs> to it. And oh my and God, I, it's like you're one of those like doctors will hate you. Or hate Doctors hate him, you know? And yeah, yeah, like yeah. One yeah. of those scam artists advertisements my, my on the colleagues. Um, don't always know what to do with me. I know that pain. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Sarah, I think you know this one. I certainly do. Yeah. I make everybody nervous when I talk in meetings. It's well, fine. I wanted to ask you guys about that because the last person who interviewed me told me like part way into the interview, they go, I was totally nervous because you're a rabbi. No, I'm not nervous. No. no not you. Just that guy. Okay. Fine. Religion doesn't scare me. I'm pissed at it. When Why I was younger, Why are you pissed? well, because when I was younger, I was raised Catholic and we'll go into oh, that, that, you know, fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. I taught at a Catholic high school, so I, <sighs> I, I got to see the inside belly of that beast and it's a that, terrible place. It, it does some good for uh, some people, but some for other people, it can really mess you up hard. Mm -hmm. I don't. So my services are not, I don't do anything pediatric in my, I, my services are for adults and if I love that show up it's on the parents to deal with the fact that we're going to be cursing and we're going to be being my daughter shows up to the services not because i asked her but because she wants to religion's not for kids you can indoctrinate a child and you can really confuse the heck out of them because then by the time they're an adult they have these messages built into their heads that are fucking with their theology yes yeah, hi it me hello yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but thankfully, so, so no, thankfully, I, I've had access to tons of people through this podcast who have been able to help, you know, cast light and find it. We're good. Yeah. So we see the same therapist. One other thing, um, Sarah, which is uh -huh. um, I'm not a member of the Catholic Church, but I'd like to apologize on behalf of <laughs> organized religion. I'll accept it. Um, Thank you for people fucking with your head and making you feel shame in places <laughs> that you shouldn't. Thank you. No, I do really appreciate that. that yeah. It's a, it, yeah, it definitely, you know, I didn't think until we started doing this podcast, I didn't think uh, it was just normal everyday stuff. And I realized like some of the stuff that's going on in my brain is not okay. Like it's not right, yeah. you know? And so we started to explore the, um, we pivoted through COVID and we started to explore the self-help and, you know, we're at the place now and I just have so much, I have so many tools in my toolbox now to deal right. with this stuff. I'm so thankful. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, we're getting that's there. Where I see myself is in the self-help, giving people spiritual religious tools. Yeah. They're not all dissimilar from psychological, emotional health tools. Um, but sometimes uh, acceptance, forgiveness, those are spiritual. Yeah. So I have a question. Yes, then you, I'm going to cut you off now. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> what's keeping you from being just spiritual what's keeping you being jewish specifically um so why am i continuing to use the title rabbi is that the mm -hmm. question yeah because i fucking earned it <laughs> <laughs> that's even better um because i earned it because i went to five years of graduate school and continue to learn and study and if this, look, I wouldn't have gotten on your podcast without the title. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, all right. Maybe not your podcast. No, I, I think it's a very different thing. If it's just homespun porch wisdom, or if it's coming from somebody who's ordained as a clergy person, there's a certain, there's a, there's a, it changes it. It's like, maybe it's a placebo effect, but there's something totally different when I'm a rabbi who says organized religion, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you've been in, you know, you like you said, you're in the belly of the beast. Yeah. You were trained. You are an actual rabbi. So I guess that does make yeah. sense. But I can appreciate the fact that you're being more spiritual than Jewy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. How do your parents feel about you being out of the box, Rabbi? My dad does not care at all. Okay. He, he passed years ago, and that's why. <laughs> okay. Is that Cheers, dark? Dad. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. That was no, bad. it's okay. Um, it was hilarious. <laughs> my 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 mom. Uh, it took it took a while for her to be all right with me being a rabbi. You know, in the first place, because like that's a weird job. Um, and then she had to deal with me dropping out and now she's dealing with me being my own version of it. And she's kind of proud. Good. That's really cool. I think that's the best. Being proud is not the best outcome. It is. No, it it is. is the best outcome. It okay. Is. But, but you just made that face. So now we're confused. Well, she's only somewhat like mom. Mom can only be so proud. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because there's a lack of understanding. Um. I put it this way. My friend Casey once said, and I think he said about his mother-in-law, he said on a scale of one to 10, where the best she can do is an eight, she's batting a 7.5. Mm -hmm. Like my, my mom is proud, but in the way that she's proud and she, it's only at a, you know, on, on her scale, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You have to take into consideration who's delivering the news. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that's very intriguing that's on your website is your three gifts that you have listed nah, there. Those might not be available by the time, like the, the website's getting redone this week. So oh. I apologize. But if you want the gifts, I'll still give them to you. <laughs> well, I guess my, so my interest is the how to deal with assholes situation. I, I called it how to deal with impossible people. Assholes. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, they're assholes. So, how, so do you do you want the the short version of that? I was just yeah. I'm just looking for you know cliff notes. Yeah. Okay. So the the first step in how to deal with impossible people is ask yourself: Is this someone who I have to deal with, and is it someone who I want to deal with? So okay. What if the answers are yes? Okay. So now we have somebody who's impossible, and we have to deal with them. So how do we deal with them? is we realize first that Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, Jesus, well, maybe the exception of Jesus, but- um, uh, Mother Teresa? I was gonna go with Maya Angelou, but okay. Okay, that works. Um, that these, are, these human beings, Nelson Mandela, have been able to overcome hatred in beautiful ways. And that we have the same ability that they have even though we might not be so good at it. So the first thing that we have to do is to realize that we are capable of, and here's the awful part of it, Nicole, and I apologize, but here's what to do with impossible people is we have to love them. Mm, mm -hmm. We have to love them and you might have to figure out what kind of love they require but that's what to do with impossible people is the way you change someone from being an impossible person is you love on them until they become lovable. Kill them with kindness. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little, yeah. It's a little I mean, it's an aggressive form, but, right. but you know what though, let me, let me just jump on it. Uh, Cause my uh, Jesus was all about killing them with kindness. That was the turn the other cheek whole idea. That was the um, give them your undergarments, walk the second mile. Those were all really passive aggressive asshole moves that Jesus was talking about. And I totally respect him for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus was talking about make the other person look stupid. Yes, absolutely. That, that's it. That's I also feel like it was taking control of the situation because if you don't allow that person to impact you, then they have no control and then right. you're unbothered. They look, they look stupid for having slapped you if you just say, okay. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I know. I saw a meme the other day or something on the internet about making sure that you're always kind. It's something you can give out that's free. Yeah. And it is a great reminder um 
because I mean, the last thing that I want on the receiving end is for somebody to be unkind or for me to be coming off as an impossible person. And so you kind of have to stick with the same thing like that my mom taught me as a kid, right? You treat others how you want to be treated. Yeah. Uh, That's it. That's it. Yeah. Sarah's like, "Mm -hmm, I don't know. Maybe. Mm. I was just told to be sweet all the time. Be sweet. How'd that turn out? I'm not sweet. <laughs> not all the time. Never. Never? No, I'm I a I'm a very kind that. person, yeah. but I can be I can be a bitch too. It's fine. <laughs> we're allowed to be human. Absolutely. And human <laughs> sometimes we're gonna be assholes. And then but sometimes but, that's required. But also knowing that we have to apologize sometimes when we did it badly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Or at least we should. Um, can I, I, I feel like I missed an opportunity there of telling people to go to rotb.org for religion outside the box. And the newsletter will always be free. There's a newsletter. That's mainly my sermon is 40 out of 52 weeks a year. I send a newsletter to people's inboxes. That's cool. It's, it's um, yeah, it's really, it's really neat. Do you have, do you guys have correspondence back and forth? Yeah, sometimes um, people write back and they, they say, I really like that, or I thought that was stupid. And I write <laughs> back and I say, thank you very much in either case. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I engage, I got, I have a, a bunch of people, not everyone responds, which is good because I couldn't handle that. But every so often there's something that's really meaningful to someone and they want to let me know and, or, or there's something that I really missed in an article um, and they want to let me know. So yeah, we correspond. That's wonderful. How big, how big of a group of people would you say uh, that you work with? So the mailing list goes out to over 3,500 people um, and they don't all respond. thankfully because that would be like you know the movie what is it when jim carrey became god almighty Almighty. bruce almighty (laughs) that was one of my favorite things uh is to see how is the character of god portrayed in pop culture it's funny it's an interesting it's interesting how how our projections about what we think god is or who god is and how it comes up in our in our I was going to write my thesis on that, but rabbinical school wouldn't let me. So rude. Yeah, that's I mean, you I'm, I'm, I'm sure you could write something now. I and could just put it out into the ether. I'm going to. I'm Hell going yeah, do it. To. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Well, I haven't <laughs> watched The Good Place, but I feel like the that that's kind of the premise of that show. I, have you watched The Good Place? I did watch it, but it upset me, so I stopped. Oh, okay. But I did like it, and they had there's some, yeah, it's, it's, it it. It had a great line about frozen yogurt, which said, what is it about human beings where we take something that's good and we make it slightly worse so we can have more of it? <laughs> like, yeah, we do that, don't we? That's hilarious. <laughs> but I love frozen yogurt, though. What's wrong with that? It ain't ice cream, lady. Yeah. It ain't ice cream. Take some of those carbs and sugar out of there and... Uh... You can have yeah, more now. Much. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being on the show today and have loved this conversation. And I want to encourage everybody to sign up for your newsletter and go to rotb.org because this is a very refreshing uh, way to look at religion and to have real honest conversations about it. So I truly appreciate what you're doing Absolutely. because Thanks, any man. um experiences that i've had with religion have been in a like non-denominational format uh-huh. um even though i was baptized lutheran uh-huh. uh i didn't go to like any kind of specialty services or specialty churches or anything like that um because I often, I oftentimes feel like people who are hyper religious and feel like you have to be um, under a certain title or a certain uh-huh. group are very hypocritical, and that bothers me. So I've always shifted towards like a non-denominational or some sort of spiritual path. Yeah, a lot, a lot and I just things. always felt really uncomfortable in church, and I hated being there all the time, <laughs> and I just knew it wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. Do, so do what works. 
Right. So I love that you're on that do what works for you path and are providing like alternate ways for people to still get guidance and figure out what they want to believe in. Amen. (laughs) And I almost, I almost feel like if, and this is me just, you know, talking, but I almost feel as though if religion was allowed to evolve, you know, um, it, it would evolve something into something similar to what you've got going on for you. I think that a lot of the traditions that they uphold and keep up in religion is tradition, obviously, but um, it's ignorant at the same time because you're not actually speaking to the present people. You're, you're potentially speaking to the folks that were there a long time ago. Summarize it. Thank you for putting it that way. Let me, let me, that, that there's this choice that we have in front of us. And one is to replicate what was done in the past thinking that if we just do what they did, we'd get a glimpse into the divine that they experienced. And the other path is saying, well, that shit's got to be right here, right now. Mm-hmm. So why am I going to, why am I going to, do I really think that they had that much of a better connection to the divine in the old days no. that my replicating it now, that doesn't make sense to me yeah me either okay no <laughs> i mean because i work in it and i feel i'm a designer by trade and a lot of the work that i do is understanding what others are doing yeah. and a lot of the times we can't just do what the other people are doing because it's not okay but also because there's there's problems they're having problems or we're just ignoring the issues that they're having because they're the top in the field okay but they're still having problems and so it's interesting to see how much people chase the right thing to do or the right way to do something when they have no idea (laughs) what the other people went through to do that. Yeah. Religion's fraught. Something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it time? Is it time for Atta Girls? I think so. Atta Girl and Atta Boy. I'm in. All right. right. Well, I thought about it because I knew this was coming. So <laughs> I my, love that. My my add a add a person add a add, add a, a guy. I'm gonna just go with the add a girl because I'm sticking with and there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Like, fuck, it's pronouns. Who cares? <laughs> um, it's a phrase at this point. Doesn't yeah, even matter. So the, <laughs> it, my my add a girl is that I'm doing this thing. I mean, it's it it was like I. I'm doing this religion thing the way that it makes sense to me. And it clearly and, makes sense to a lot of other people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud that I've, I get to do this thing that I really believe in. And that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's obviously a space that is needed for this type of dialogue because you went from, part-time to, or kind of part-time to part-time to now full-time, like there's clearly a need for it. And so um, thanks for filling that gap. Yeah, Yeah, no kidding. I'm gonna add, can I add a supplemental point two? You can pat yourself on the back as many times as you can. I'm gonna give myself another add a girl was that (laughs) this, this, it was um, (laughs) Iggy Pop. He said, he, he was wearing a beautiful Christian Dior dress, I think, at the time. And he said, I don't think there's anything wrong with dressing like a woman because there's nothing wrong with being a woman. Oh, and yeah. So my second Atta Girl is going to be that I'm I'm not fighting it being an Atta Girl. <laughs> I love that you had an Atta Girl about Atta Girl within Me too. your Atta Girl. Like that yeah. was this layered. Is- yeah, um, I feel like his is, sermons are going to be a one. <laughs> yeah, um, this is also why my wife doesn't want to talk to me about religion at all. She's like, "You're too meta about everything." <laughs> but that's that's what I got. Oh my goodness, that's funny. That's really funny, Nicole. Thank you for sharing. And yes. my add a girl is that Apple Podcasts really has been. I saw it really been a challenge lately uh they kept reverting our artwork to the old artwork and 
I was like, well, maybe if I get back into our podcast connect account, I'll be able to fix it. No, nope. And you know what I went through to get into that podcast Apple account? Like it was insane. Because <laughs> the account was tied to my old phone number and I had to, anyway, the amount of shit that I went through. And then I just sent an email to support like prior to the show starting. And we just got an email saying it was fixed. At a girl. Ah! We don't longer have two different versions. <laughs> Truly been an unbelievable issue of trying to get that solved. I'm so Thanks, happy. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. I'm really excited about that actually. I'm ignorantly excited about that. Because mm -hmm. it was just one of those things that I saw every time. I was like, ugh. <laughs> Piss me off for a second. Cool. <laughs> um, okay, I have an add a girl. I went, I'm just really proud of myself and I'm really proud of my little Jeep Wrangler that I have that's still stock. So I went to off-road uh, with my boyfriend and his friend who both have like giant built up Jeeps. And then I just have a little two-door Wrangler that I was tootling around in and they were being kind and, you know, choosing trails that I could go on or whatever. But I ended up being able to keep up with the two of them driving for the whole day. Um, I only got I only got into trouble twice and that's because the trail we were on was degrading and I was slipping off and, you know, almost, it was not great. So they saved me a couple of times, but I didn't otherwise get into any trouble. I didn't break anything. My Jeep was still fine. I'm just like so proud of myself that we made it through the whole day of like probably five or six hours of off-roading and I don't have to take it to the shop to get it fixed. <laughs> Add a girl. Thank you. Staying alive and not breaking Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just a big toy. Let's be real. <laughs> so I, I want, I'm going to jump in. I love this. I love that you do it because so much of our life, we focus on what we do wrong. And I so love that this is, this is your currency. This is what you do. Yeah, it's just, it brings me joy. It makes me happy. Um, I don't, what am I going to do? Go out to the bar and spend that money on booze and wake up with a headache? I'd rather not. I'd rather go experience stuff and learn how to drive a vehicle that I own and, you know, that kind of fun stuff. So fun. we're evolving, <laughs> leveling up. <laughs> so Rabbi Brian, please tell everybody where they can find your um, information on your website and any other uh, newsletter, podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, rotb.org sign up for the newsletter the service that i do on saturday mornings um we actually do a thing where if anyone tells me something that they are proud of having done they get a raffle ticket oh um, that's so cool we don't actually raffle anything off we just <laughs> people are just so glad to talk about one thing that they did that they're proud of and so they tell everyone and then they they get a symbolic raffle ticket i write their name on a raffle ticket it's it's, you don't put a little star David on there for him? <laughs> I don't want to assume. Um, so you can find me rotb.org or if you, if you like the Instagram, it's rabbi underscore Brian underscore AF. <laughs> A-E and A-D were all taken. So I did AF. Right. You know, you gotta, you just gotta. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. It was thank such a joy both. to have you. This was really fun. Time just so fun. I mean, I just feel like ready to go to like do things, although it's about time for me to go to bed. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well, energized. Oh, <laughs>